and the it occurred to them like we should just wear this silk as armor because it would be really lightweight and no swords can cut it but then they realized that uh, people would make fun of them in the locker room for not having any body hair at all if they did that so nobody was willing to do it I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Jim, you already slipped out of the voice you were supposed to be using. <laughs> Rangsdorf! <laughs> mm. That's that's pretty much all the all the bars. <laughs> yeah. It's episode 183 of Video Games Hot Dog, and we'd like to apologize for that. <laughs> and for doing it again later. Oh. Uh, guys, <laughs> it's only been a week. We're back on something like a normal schedule. Yeah, right? Weird. Kevin is not was not on a normal schedule last weekend because Kevin was doing an insane puzzle adventure. Jim Jim came and joined in for a while. Oh, yeah, right. I, I was there for like four hours. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, and it was it was fun. I was I the first puzzle was trying to figure out how to register on the website. <laughs> right, that was that was <laughs> non-trivial in your yeah. particular case. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, I'll 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 like go into these chat rooms and talk to these people trying to figure out figure out like oh what's the pattern amongst all these it's just it's arbitrary like just give it give an example of a puzzle kevin i mean there are so many good ones like i was going to bring up give the, an example of a bad one well okay <laughs> so the so the the ones that are like beyond my ability to really cope are the there was a there was a puzzle so the the, the theme for this year was 20,000 puzzles under the sea which is a pretty funny uh theme name um but there was literally a puzzle, which was the 10,000 puzzle pyramid, uh, <clears throat> which was literally 10,000 puzzles. Um, basically, it was, I think, a, it was a zip file, which had a, a directory structure, which was like the all the rows uh, of bricks in this giant pyramid. Um, <clears throat> and then each each folder had like a bunch of files in it, which were the individual like columns of bricks and each brick was a puzzle and it was all cluing into a word list, which was 10,000 words long. And you were supposed to figure out which word was being referenced um, in these puzzles. And, and obviously what it is meant to be is a, a sort of programming puzzle where you figure what, out you what describe could you describe were they all puzzles of the same form? I mean, yes, but they were like it was it was all descriptions of words but using sort of weird um weird constraints like every other letter is a vowel or um uh like the first the first letter is in the first half of the alphabet or something like that. So there would be like five or six constraints for each one which you could uniquely identify a word from um but not necessarily easily by human hands, right? Um, you could do one, but it would be tricky to do ten thousand. Yeah, it would. It would yeah, it would. It would take way longer than the hunt would last if you were trying to do it by hand. Um, plus, there was all this other stuff going on where there were like all of these like weird constraints with made up words, which played into sort of like how the puzzle progressed once you've once you'd gotten sort of through the beginning part. Um, but like that was like a crazy hard puzzle. Um, yeah. There was a puzzle called Pipe, which uh, you would, it would, it had like a prompt. You would put in a value and then it would tell you in every case except for one, why that value was wrong. And it went through a series of seven steps 
with your input. Um, and if you gave it the correct input, which was 33, then it would say, congratulations, it, this is finished. The answer to this puzzle is the same as the output would be for this number, which they don't tell you. So then you have to figure out what it is doing at each of the seven steps based on the error messages. And it is doing some weird, weird fucking shit. <laughs> like converting the number into base 36. Or it, it only takes capital letters and numbers, converts it into base 36, like does some sort of weird math operation on it, and then converts that those numbers into elements in the periodic table, and then takes those and like does some weird thing with that and make sure that their the, the, their atomic numbers are prime and stuff. It's like, ah. Every year you describe <clears throat> puzzles that don't sound like any fun at all. And I don't, I mean, it's doing, this. it's super neat. They are, they are not like anything you've ever seen before, which is what makes them interesting and really puzzly. Like, a, a and if it was just like a hundred different crossword puzzles, that wouldn't really be all that compelling. I don't think. No, I'm not suggesting um, that that's what it should be. I just, every time you describe <laughs> a puzzle, you describe <clears throat> the more interesting ones, which I think, yep, that would take me. A hundred thousand years to solve. <laughs> there were well, some... you're doing it in a group, right? Yeah. And well, yeah. this was my my experience was that like I was I'll I'll look at one and then I'll look at where people are in solving it and I'm like, okay, they're probably gonna have it solved by the time I catch up to where they are and understanding. So I would, I'll go on to the next one. And then I would do that ten times. It's and then there's one, oh, this one they're just starting on, and they can help out. Sure. I feel like there are a lot of puzzles that get stuck looking for somebody who has some insight and that's that's mm. kind of what i enjoy doing yeah. is like bopping around from puzzle to puzzle looking like, at the look, work so far and being like yeah looking have you tried looking this? for the puzzle that that yeah. seems to seems to involve something that you know something about that not necessarily everybody else there does have you tried yeah, or, anagrams yeah, yeah exactly. have you tried naked pictures of one particular girl <laughs> <laughs> there were some amazing puzzles that were um also games this year uh there was a text adventure uh which was actually two simultaneous text adventures next to each other one of which took, took place in the past and one of which took place in the future and there were various ways in which you could impact the outcomes of either scenario you could send stuff into the future and send stuff in the past and that oh, kind of thing nice it was did, yeah did time pass in both of them every time you did a move in one or how how did the game actually work uh, I don't think so. I think if you could just do an action, like you could fill a bucket with water, and then if you in the future, if you went there, it would that bucket would be full of, of that, water. It seemed like oh, the puzzle that I cool saw that well. was most um, interesting outside of the hunt. Say that. What do you mean? I mean, like to someone. Oh, to some. Well, like, there was also. I mean, there's also Steve's parable, which was a remake of the Stanley Parable in Minecraft. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fucking crazy! Like so good. It had Do you happen to remember what the name of the IF one was? Uh, th there were two. That was the, so that that one was uh, I think Nautilus's uh, crap uh, double quest or something like that. It was NDQ. I think was the. It was three words. It was in the very first round in the in the sort of machine. Oh, but are you round. just not allowed to tell us because you signed an NDQ? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what that's what they used to preserve the secrecy of the recipes at Dairy Queen. <laughs> um, there was another text adventure game, which uh, was kind of cool. Uh, it was it was a lot meaner in the way that it sort of unfolded because it was. If you were trying to map it out, it was super fucking confusing. 
you had to realize that it was it was taking place on the surface of three-dimensional letters (laughs) so like if you can if you can imagine like a a pixelated font of of like a letter that was three-dimensional that you were then moving on and around so you like you could walk from one room up and it would sort of wrap around to an, the same room if you kept going forward over the over the edge of something. What yeah. were the directions relative to? Because it seems like I think they were just like left, right, front, and back kind of thing. Huh, um, okay. Yeah it it was it was rough. It had a little bit of like a hunt the wumpus feel to it because you were picking up objects and defeating monsters they were like cheese monsters the idea was that you were moving through a a space that was like hollowed out like blocks of of cheese kind of oh like in twenty thousand leagues under the sea yeah (laughs) um the meta puzzles were all really good uh i enjoyed i enjoyed all of those uh a lot of them were just based on like the puzzle answers which i really like i like it when it is just a sequence of words and that is the puzzle and you have to figure mm-hmm. out like wh- how, what falls out of it it's always anagrams it's it's <laughs> usually not anagrams <laughs> uh, my my take on this after spending four hours on it was that if i wanted to if i want to think really hard about a problem i've actually got a lot of projects i'm working on that i could be <laughs> spending that mu- that brain power on so i i kind of uh <laughs> I kind of ran off with Jenny to talk about making video games. That's mm. that. That's totally reasonable response to the mystery. <laughs> I think um, our team uh, finished in best place, uh, which is what happens when you come in second, like just minutes behind the first place team, because the the dubious honor of being first is that you have to write and run the next year's hunt. So. Uh, we don't have to do that, and instead we get to uh, we get to enjoy yet another exciting mystery hunt next year. Is it usually the same the same set of teams that keep winning? There there are about three or four that have won probably eighty or ninety percent of the hunts. Yeah, mm. um, but do, they, but, do they fix it so that it doesn't just tend to bounce back and forth between two teams? Do you think they collude? No, but I think teams get really tired of running. There, there's a couple teams that like did it three or four like alternating years and just were like, ah, fuck this, we are done. And so they will actually go to sleep at night and they will, <laughs> uh, they'll like start drinking near the end of the hunt. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of that that happens. I mean, there's, there are also like weird politics where people will, you know, teams will dissolve and break into multiple teams or teams will sort of join up. So there's, there is always some fresh blood sort of flowing through the system. Um, this year was a team. It was a, it was run by a team that was, uh, based primarily at MIT, whereas like the team that won is uh, a bunch of uh, National Puzzle League folks, and I don't know, I don't know if they have any current MIT undergrads on their team actually, hmm. um, which is fine, I guess. It's just like it feels weird when like, they're probably not outsiders in the sense that like a lot of them probably went to MIT. They're probably but- all white. Uh, the, there's a lot of white people on these teams, so um, there are, it's a it's an all cruft team, is what you're is what you're saying. Yeah, I th- and cruft is cruft is people who graduate from MIT but don't leave. Yes. Oh, that's a 
that's another insider term. Um, I know it because I'm an insider. (laughs) Do they like sleep on the campus? Usually not. Usually they just are in town. But there's there are like a bunch of jobs at MIT that you can get uh, that allow you to stick around or you can just hang around creepily. So (laughs) hit on all the freshman girls. There are a couple of people every year that like date a freshman. Mm hmm. And that just gets worse and worse as time goes on. There are a couple of people every year that date a freshman. Yeah. I'm, hmm. Just one. So a couple it's of people that every, every year. year date a new freshman. Oh, right. Because they have that quota where there has to be at least one girl in each incoming class at MIT. <laughs> it's it's like up to 45% female at this point. Mm. I think it's... I think Each it is. girl is up to 45% female. <laughs> sure. Chimeras. Yeah. yeah. That's what the T stands for. Uh, it was, a, but it was a really. T is good, also a chimera. It was a really good hunt uh, this year, um, and so this year they're doing a, a couple of interesting things. They are, at some point soon, I think, uh, opening it up so that anybody can uh, participate, can actually do all the puzzles in the hunt, at, like as if they were solving them in real time, like like at the hunt um, throughout the whole year. So like for a year, it will be up and running like it like it was actually a solving site. Uh, huh. Instead of just oh, having- are they so they're val- they're not validating answers by calling a person and talking to them on the phone anymore? Uh, well, they no they f- during the actual hunt they did that, but I think they're setting up the site so that it will it will let you just submit answers and you'll get because uh, okay. they don't care if people are brute forcing it right exactly after the fact because right. I think they also are just posting solutions. So if you were were there not a bunch of like active participation <clears throat> puzzles like there usually are there there are a handful of those those so those have become. Well, it depends on what your category you mean. There's, there's like, there are event puzzles which have basically yeah. become ways to send, get... send three guys and a two liter bottle of soda over to room. That was actually one of the one of those events this year was a, uh, um, it's it was Steam Team, which was a sort of card based variant of Space Team, where it was all like uh, steampunk terminology, hmm. um, which I thought was cool. Uh, but those have become basically ways to get points towards hints. Okay. Um, instead of actually giving you, do you think that's a response to like more teams becoming things that exist primarily off-site? I don't know. Um, I saw a puzzle that was just like cook a meal for the organizers. Yeah, that was there. There, there's like always a scavenger hunt. Um, which there were there were some ways in which the this scavenger hunt was oddly designed like we we attempted to solve the scavenger hunt by just bringing them a box of 60 matches (laughs) because it didn't say you couldn't bring multiples of things (laughs) so i don't i don't know if that worked uh here's 60 matches and each one has the entire text of atlas shrugged written on it right um, but like yeah, each, like each of these matches, one of the objects <laughs> you have to, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you have to, uh, usually there's, a, there's at least one puzzle where you have to like make something and give it to the organizers, like food. Um, there were a couple of puzzles where you had to like make a music video or, uh, you had, once you like decoded something, you had to encode something in that same, uh, format and send it back to the headquarters. Like hmm. there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, which is kind of like a participation puzzle. I guess that's the other half of that 
thing. Um, and those, I don't know how that will work on the website once they, once it becomes like a, an, a public interactive space. You have to cook a meal and insert it into your optical drive. Okay. <laughs> so this meal, it tends to be like a slice of bologna. Yeah, like a right. pancake or something. A cooked slice of bologna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you fry it. That's what, come on, you don't eat raw bologna. You'll get worms. <laughs> oh. No wonder bologna I bologna. is just a slice of worm. Ooh, here's what you do: you put the you put the slice of bologna in your CD burner. You burn an ISO of worms Armageddon. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then it both it both cooks and it puts a cool video game on your slice of bologna. Uh, one of the there was a round of puzzle answers that was like medical conditions that also were w- like word transformations. Um, and so one of them was anal bleeding, <laughs> which uh, the way that, that works as a as a word transformation is you you can add a b o or a b to the end of a word to make it into another word, <laughs> which is pretty good. Oh. Wait, so was anal bleeding the solution? The anal bleeding was the solution to the puzzle, and then the that whole round there were only five puzzles in that round. That whole round was. Figuring out like word transformations based on a grid of other words that they gave you. Um, that was the meta puzzle to that round. This puzzle, so this hunt had it's going in a direction I didn't expect. Yeah, <laughs> there was, I mean, blindness, which meant like take out all the eyes, uh, that kind of thing. Right. Um, this, so this this hunt was divided into three sort of meta rounds uh, of smaller rounds of puzzles. So. Like round, f- round, meta round? Yes. I meta round? <laughs> um, so the first meta round was like three rounds, which each had a meta puzzle. And then those three meta puzzle answers fed into a meta meta. Cool. Yeah. It was good. It was I, The structure of it was really good. There was a, one round was, I think, 56 puzzles long. Mm. So that was cool. Uh, that was like school of fish that like you just kept diving down and kept encountering more and more fish. Um, what else? I, yeah, I don't know. It was just it was it was relatively short. The hunt was like we we were there was a group of five teams that all within a, an hour submitted the the final meta meta puzzle answer, and so there were five teams doing the like in game runaround all at the same time, which was a little rough. Um, how long has this been going on for historically? It started in the eighties, uh, and was a much, much smaller affair at that point. It was a single sheet of paper right. the first year that it was run. Um, and it was like a, an actual Indian head penny was the coin, I think, or Buffalo yeah. head penny or something. Um, and what is then, the coin now? Is it a figurative coin? Uh, it varies this year. It was, it was a literal lodestone, like a, you know, a piece of magnetized rock, um, it has been like cool, like a cool CD-ROM with all kinds of crazy... With Worms Armageddon on it. With arm, yeah, Worms Armageddon on it in the past. In it's, between two slices of bologna. It's usually an object which is like some sort of like trophy object, which is just references a coin rather than is a coin. I see. Oh, this year it was a Bitcoin? Sure. <laughs> there was a... There was a one hunt in recent memory where they just took I think it was just a quarter and they put it in a pocket of a pair of pants and then hid that pair of pants before the hunt started on top of some steam pipes 
And that was just where the hunt, that's just where the fucking coin was the entire hunt, which is unusual because most hunts, the coin is not actually placed at the beginning. And it's like a thing that you like go into a room and then it's like in a box that they have placed there like five minutes before you got there. So then was the hunt (laughs) figuring out that that quarter was the coin? Uh, no, I think at the beginning of, at the beginning of the hunt, they told you that the, the coin was in, uh, Joe Fish's pants, uh, and everyone laughs. And then it turns out that that actually, like, that was true. It wasn't a pair of his pants. And the, the solution was to find his pants. Yes. That was the final, the final runaround of that year was, was like this super long, convoluted, complicated, like running around the campus, um, gathering clues to to that eventually pointed you to to look on the top of these steam pipes in a particular location yeah yep well congratulations on winning the winning in such a way that you don't have to spend a year doing unpaid work yeah that is uh that is ideal (laughs) what else did you do this week jim i uh i got a package in the mail from my accountant and oh, yeah. <laughs> did you see those? I tweeted pictures those of this. Tweets, yeah. Um, it was this like, I don't know if you, you guys have a corporation, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Like this thing was like an, a folder with embossed lettering on it saying Twin Beard Inc. Corporate Records. Okay. And you open it up and there's like pages and pages and pages of like bylaws and like the minutes of the meeting where we chose our chief officers is that you? Yeah, they were all me. I was also the only attendee of the meeting, and this <laughs> meeting never happened. Oh, sure it did. <laughs> I think in a court of law, it I was, did happen. Yeah, I was asleep during the meeting. It was at 10 a.m. on January 15th. Um, okay. And, like, stock certificates. Wow, you have stock certificates? Is this a publicly held company? No, no, but I, we, I can have up to 100 owners... Okay. Uh, that's the limitation uh, on S Corp. We have a much simpler, cor- we have a LLC yeah. S Corp that di- we didn't, there wasn't any of that. We had yeah. to advertise in the paper and then now it's just like, although we, we are do setting some up weird thing when we pay taxes. A nonprofit which does have all of this crap associated with it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. We have, to, I, although I think we actually have to have our meetings because there's four of us on the board. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If there were more than one owner, I would have to. The bylaws say the meeting is at 10 a.m. Like the, the board of directors what? meeting is at 10 a.m. What? And so like what, who, who is awake at 10 a.m.? I, I don't know. These. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it also came with an embosser. With nice. Uh, it, the 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 twin beard corporate seal. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like this thing came in like this leather pouch in this folder. I was like, what is this machine? It looked like a stapler. Did you did you sign up for like the extra fancy uh, accountant package? What I, what is all this? I paid the guy like twelve hundred bucks. Jeez, for for this incorporation job. Um, does does the embosser actually have your twin beard logo on it? No, it's got oh. like it's it's a, it's clearly a boilerplate thing, but it does say twin beard on it. Okay. <laughs> it it would be great if it was the guy's face from twi- from the twin beard logo. <laughs> that and the pixelated lettering. You need to have some sort of weird meetup with the twin galaxies and the beard galaxies folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were we were in a room with the twin galaxies folks this week. I forgot about that. Um, Wes and I went to Banning, California, uh, where there is 
a Mexican restaurant and a couple places to have breakfast and then a giant arcade and pinball museum. Mm. Was it, is this the sort of like inauguration of it or it was yeah this was the thing that this guy did a kickstarter to raise the money for that just did not fund at all but then he just did it anyway (laughs) um i think he he just owned hundreds and hundreds of pinball machines and arcade games and wanted to like exhibit them rather than just storing them so he bought this giant space that i can't tell what this place used to be it it struck me that like if like I don't know. JC Penney had a corporate office that was also a warehouse that maybe it would be this kind of building. <laughs> like there are some offices but then a lot of just you know two gigantic rooms, one of which is completely filled with pinball machines and one of which is arcade games. So this guy I'm assuming is super well off if he has if he can afford all that and apparently the building for them. He can't afford to not be like 50. So anyway, Walter Day was there uh, from Twin Galaxies, and that's why I thought of that. Did you did you hang out? <clears throat> no. Did you set a record in his presence? I didn't. I didn't even try. Um, Wes uh, Wes met and spoke to for a while. Billy Mitchell <laughs> said he's really nice. Said he's a really nice guy. Did uh, Did you buy any of his hot sauce? I don't think he was selling any hot sauce. Okay. I mean, I guess on on some level, he's always selling hot sauce. <laughs> right. But, I mean, on some level, we're all selling hot sauce. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. <sighs> but the yeah. other company I might join up with is Split Bread. Split Bread? <laughs> yeah. Beard and Split Bread. Uh, well, mm, one, this like was one detective of the, show. Yeah. <laughs> this was one of the alternate uh, titles that I gave the accountant, like, oh, you need to back up in case someone's oh, already taken. In case it's already was, taken. Was Split Beard. Split Beard? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, th- I thought it would work out pretty well. Roy and I once proposed forming a band called Shit Beard. Uh-huh. When was that? A few years ago. We yeah. never did really get shit beard off the ground. Yeah. Did you write any songs? <laughs> no. What 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 style? I'm going to play one of their songs for you later. Okay. It's pretty good. Is it a cover? It is not. It's an original song. It's very Wait, good. Wait, really? Do you have a shit beard song? No, I've got... Because we I've, didn't record any. I've got a song that the two of you wrote together, though. Or at least oh, in mm-hmm, part. Mm-hmm. The stuff we recorded in high school? Uh, I mean... Maybe I don't. I don't know what the genesis of this song was. This is all just the the recording is just you. But oh, are are you talking about in Mexico? Is that I what am. you're gonna play for him? Okay, well that's a, that's an acceptable song, I guess. Yeah. You should you should now tag that to the end of the episode. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, he's sure. embarrassed by it, even though it is really so good. really good. <laughs> yeah. I played that for some well, people. I played just that for some people. Everything I've ever made. Sure. I <laughs> I I, uh, I played that for some people <laughs> no, over New no, Year's. You and Shh. they were all like, "Wow, who is that?" And I and I told them, and they're like, "Wow!" <laughs> so good, good job. You've, okay. You have surprised everyone around us. Mm, good. Um, yeah, my mom. My mom says it's a good song. That's how I know it's probably not a good song because she has to say that. Oh come on! That doesn't make it not true, though. <laughs> it just makes it not trustworthy. Oh wait, am I also good looking? <laughs> <laughs> Because that can't be true, based on all of my experiences of the world. Um, I had a conversation with my mom recently where, like, I had always assumed, like, she she was she always, like, reassuring me that I'm good looking. And like, it, it, I figured it's a mom thing, you know, she has to say that. But we, I had a conversation with her, with, with her recently where she told me about family members who she did not think was good looking. And so, like, I was just, wait a minute, 
does this actually does she have standards but are they her children <laughs> that's the thing did, did she like boy your brother is ugly as shit <laughs> right because then you would maybe know but then maybe she's telling him that about you right shit, oh I didn't maybe. think shit of that brode. yeah <laughs> That's just the German version of shit bread, right? <laughs> Scheiße, Scheiße, Scheiße Brot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Riff, did yeah, you do anything yes. non-video game related in between now and a week ago today? I spent a lot of the weekend playing with Legos. Oh, yeah? Oh, right. You're making that detective yes, office. Yes, the, the Lego detective agency. Wait, which, do, uh, do they have Lego crimes that you have to Lego solve? They're, 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 as a matter of fact, yeah. There's kinda. like a puzzle. There's a puzzle. There's like an environmental storytelling puzzle built into yeah, the Lego Yeah, I don't set. know if it's so much a puzzle, wow. but there is there is evidence that, that there seems to maybe be like a cookie smuggling ring <laughs> happening next door to the detective's office. Okay. And there's just weird little like weird little signals and and uh secret panels in the back of the barber shop and just like there's a a trash can in the and the cookies back- are being adulterated with barber hair yeah. <laughs> there's like a trash can like in the alley back behind the barber shop that the instructions have you put a little red baseball cap in this garbage can and i was like well that's weird why is that in there and then later i got to building the part that's the actual detective's office and he has a little uh little tile on his wall that's a wanted poster that has a picture of a guy wearing a baseball cap oh nice huh. it's like yeah there's some crazy stuff going on in some there bioshock little designers making lego sets now yeah totally are you do you think that you're going to get to the point where you like get to the instructions where it's like you find out that you're the murderer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah there's like an instruction on the on the last page i open the last bag of legos and there's a gun in there <laughs> <laughs> mm. And it tells you to shoot the shoot the figurine. Yeah, so you have to send us a a dump truck full of cookies <laughs> within a week, or your family gets it. The dump truck full of cookies, they get it. If you don't send it to us, then your family gets it because you know you seem like a nice guy. We know that you have this dump truck full of cookies. <laughs> Yeah, a guy who was dumb enough to buy this many Legos is <laughs> definitely dumb enough to buy a dump truck full of cookies. It's a great set. That's uh, a how really many, interesting build. How many Legos would you say it is? Oh, uh, I mean, I could get up from the chair and go in the other room and look at the box yeah, and tell you maybe the like number, a fifteen hundred piece yeah, set like or something. That. Like it's how, well, how much did it cost? Uh, like 150. Yeah, so it's probably so yeah, it's 50, probably yeah they're about pieces, a dime yeah. each on average. So yeah, that's okay. Cool. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question: is how expensive was it? Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's cool. They Were those they Millennium use a Falcons lot of five hundred dollars. What's that? Were those Millennium Falcons five hundred dollars? I feel like they were four hundred. Hmm. Between three and five, right? I'm pretty they, sure they, there's a lot of parts. They were like in it five thousand really like creatively. Five thousand pieces though. Yeah, it's so. cool. A little Lego pool table. Oh yeah, the balls aren't spherical though, so no, really it's just, like a carom table. Yeah, and also they're they're pegged to the table. Oh so. well, so that's not gonna work. So it's like bumper pool. Yeah, <laughs> except the no, the balls are the bumpers. <laughs> wow, if you okay, you could just like do a a, a sort of roguelike pool game where you just 
spray a bunch of super glue on the balls right before you break. (laughs) (laughs) Stochastically join some, some groups of balls together. Yeah, but then also a lot of them just stick where they land and become obstacles for future shots that won't move anymore. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you could maybe do it with magnets also. <laughs> as we had, if you had brass balls, you could, <laughs> you could install some magnets in your pool table. <laughs> That's what it would take. Yeah. 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 <sighs> uh, have you guys played any video games? Uh, the only new thing I played this week, because I'm still playing Hero Emblems uh, while I've been watching videos and stuff, because, you know, it's not a deep enough game to warrant my full attention, but it's fun enough that You're I still want to play good, it. You're missing all the good, good writing. Um, <laughs> oh, man, yeah. <laughs> the writing and, yep. Uh, but I played, um, I played a game called uh, Breakfast at Cemetery. Which I, I tweeted a picture. <laughs> yeah, it's, this, this it's, is the skeleton upending the table to get all the candy yeah. into his skeleton <laughs> or cereal. It's a, it's basically a co-op style game, like co-op or surgeon simulator. Uh, is it on iOS? No, it's it's uh, uh, in a, in a few minutes I can give you the URL mm. uh, while I'm talking about it. The um, no, it's like PC and Mac. But you're a skeleton, and every level is you getting up in the morning and eating breakfast before you go to work. And so each day you need a progressively higher amount of calories for some reason. And basically it works out the food keeps falling out of your torso. Yeah, I guess. And all the – so basically it puts a bunch of food on the breakfast table, and you have to to eat all the food in a short time allotment. And it – the the physics are really weird and you can only kind of control the hand you're sort of like dragging the hand around and you like click on the fork to kind of grab the fork and you can kind of rotate it and kind of stab it into the foods that you can then draw it towards your mouth there's like a few foods that you can pick up directly with the hand like you can pick up toast but you can't directly pick up a waffle you have to spear a waffle with the fork and and like midway through the level, a, sometimes a ghost will appear and try and steal your fork or your cereal bowl or something just to be a pain in the ass. And it's generally it's it's a really weird game. Um, Does it say what the skeleton's job is that he's going to? I don't think so. I don't re- I don't recall fighting adventures and not dropping a sword. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, Maybe uh, he's a trombone player. Oh. You, you kill this skeleton, he's going to drop like uh, a pile of used Captain Crunch. Yeah. There was a... Uh, That's pre- if it's pre-chewed, at least it won't fuck up the roof of your mouth. What was the, right, yeah. What was the skeleton monster that we ended up never using in Kingdom of Loathing? Are you thinking of the zombone? The zombone. The zombie That's with the right. trombone. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I, I got stuck at one point because... There doesn't seem to be any way to interact with bacon, weirdly. Because, <laughs> like, toast you can pick up directly, and a, a fried egg or, or, like, a waffle you can stab with a fork. But 
bacon doesn't seem to be affected by any other objects. You, so uh, the the only way to get it into your mouth is to have it flat on the table and pick up the the table and tilt it so that the bacon slides into that your seems mouth. Pretty reasonable. Yeah, but it's it's always real hard because there's also like plates and stuff on the table and they get in the way. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, it was kind of fun. It's first I mean, world problems. It didn't hold my attention for real long, but it was comical and entertaining for, for the few minutes that I played it. Um, that's pretty much it. How about you, Jim? I played a game called um, Queers in Love at the End of the World uh, by Anna Anthropy. Have you guys played this one? I'm no. Not. Is it a twine game? It's a twine game. It's a twine game... Um, where the uh, game ends after 10 seconds. Okay. Where it, it, it's actually, it's really intense. It's surprisingly intense for a text-only game. It, it, it's entirely about how you are expressing your affection with, this per- with a person, to this person, before time is up and the world ends. Hmm. And I played it like three or four times and just, it, it's very, um, the 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 time limit really lends just a a lot of urgency to the proceedings which are otherwise pretty mundane is it an actual time limit or like a 10 move limit or it's a it's a literal there's a timer in the top left corner that's ticking down okay so you can click through stuff fast theoretically yes. yeah but you're not necessarily able to read it all yeah 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 um and that that was one thing that was a little bit weird about it was that um your reading speed is going to have a big impact on how you play the game, but um, for me at least, uh, it was uh, it was really it was really powerful. Hmm. Uh, it, it's I don't really have much to say about it other than like it takes literally ten seconds to play. So if you're into that sort of thing, I also got a chance to play. Uh, oh well, first of all, reactions before I move on immediately. <laughs> Any anybody have anything to say about that? No, I mean, I I will yeah. check it out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I also got a chance to play Eldritch Horror, which is a board game. So yeah. oh, I'm, okay. I'm breaking format here. I hope that's okay. Yeah, that's, it's fine. That's the one that's like... Uh, it's, a, stream, it's, a, it's a streamlined Arkham streamlined Horror. Streamlined Arkham yeah. Horror, but across the entire world? Yep. It's actually not even that streamlined. It's, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There are <laughs> maybe fewer pieces, fewer moving parts, but... Um, it was so, definitely quicker when we played it. it like, yeah, we, we yeah. definitely got destroyed. The, the world ended faster than <laughs> when we played it. Yeah, we were all eaten by yeah. spiders because I was unable to placate them with my magical uh, necromantic jazz musician. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> my reaction to this was that it was, like, not nearly as stressful as Arkham Horror, but it turns out the reason for that was that we were playing it wrong. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's a, that's easy to happen. Like yeah, it's, in a co-op game, especially because there isn't any like rules, competitive lawyer. impetus to like I gotta read these rules and find out how how I I can win better. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, we we were uh, failing to put a monster on gates that were opening. Oh yeah, mm. and so the the fighting the fighter players were really bored the whole time. Uh, for I me, feel like the, every time every time Fantasy Flight says, "All right, guys, let's make." an actual simple version of the game with this thematic stuff and then instead of the 1450 pieces that the last game had this one has 1435 pieces <laughs> uh, elder the, the, the sign is actually one. an yeah, example elder of is pretty good. Uh, that one like it it 
simplified it to an extent that I really wasn't able to get into it thematically. Really? Um, personally. I was not able to comprehend the rules of Elder Sign. And so huh. I've never really been able to hmm. play it because I feel like there is some fundament, like I will play that game and it will just be me failing to do everything that I'm trying to do until the game ends. Huh. Because I feel like there is just some basic verb that I don't know how Have it you works. you tried the iPad version? Yeah. And I just don't. That's. Because huh. like, I feel like that had decent tutorials. There are things about like holding dice exactly. back for following rounds yeah, or that, something. That mechanic that I just, is basically the mechanic from Yahtzee, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's something else. There, There's a way to, like, save a die permanently for multiple encounters or something that I think mm. is actually critical to ever accomplishing I anything. Think you need, I think you need a spell or something to be able to do that. Hmm. That's plausible. I don't remember that mechanic. Hmm. But for me, the... The... Um, active moving around the map the act of moving around the map um I, i've got this weird compulsion to like have an avatar in a game i play <laughs> mm-hmm. like it that just lends it a lot more you know it, it, it feels a lot more like i'm actually doing a thing rather than just following arbitrary rules it's but it's okay if you're a shoe or a hat or a race car it would be although like in the in monopoly um the board itself is abstract enough that I can't think of it as a place. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, it's not just a city block to you. <laughs> I guess that doesn't make any doesn't, sense. It doesn't remotely remember, resemble a city. Yeah, it's like a, a meta city block. A city, yeah, yeah. It's a city block made of city blocks. A, hy- so, a hyper block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Elder Sign was just... Yeah, that was that was too abstract for me to, me to really get into it. And Elder Char is kind of bordering on that, where they, they increase the scope of the game... Such that, um, such that you're you're w- traveling around the world instead of around the city, and it feels a l- just it's just on the border of like too artificial for me to enjoy it, too abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, have you tried Mansions of Madness? No, that one I have not been able to find a group who wants to play that. Mm. I I enjoyed that, but it, again, it's 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 real. It's it's difficult to get. It's complicated enough that the first game you play in a group where everybody's trying to learn it is going to take a real long time and be kind of weird. Uh-huh. But, and it requires a DM, basically. Yeah, yeah that was a weird thing. A at that point, why not just play, like, a Call of Cthulhu campaign? Mm. But it's really neat, though. Well, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying on one hand, Jim, but I do feel like there are people who want the kind of experience that requires a sort of prime mover to know things behind the scenes but doesn't want to get all play acty. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm getting at more is that I want to play a Call of Cthulhu campaign. Yeah, yeah me too. The yeah, other th- Another thing that it does that's Good. really interesting I thought is it implements like puzzles in a board game like it has a lot of. I did not know a that. Lot of, That's really interesting. Yeah, there's like lock and key situations where you'll like find a lock, and the the GM has instructions on how to set up like a group of cards to produce a particular like sliding tile puzzle that you then have. Yeah, a and like your your and like a certain number of moves determined by your character stats. Yeah. So like, if you have low intelligence 
and you're trying to work on like a fuse box puzzle or whatever, where it's like, all right, th- these are, you know, you're trying to connect this color wire from this point to this point and the other one to from this point to this point. Like, it'll take you longer if your character's dumber. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's just really cool. Um, yeah. The, the last thing I want to say about, say about Eldritch Horror is that there was an event that fired, that a player triggered, rather, that allowed them to send the police to arrest any monster on the board. Wait, the police arrested a monster? And we had them arrest the color out of space. <laughs> okay. Did the color of space then go to jail? <laughs> we, I think it went okay, back into the buddy, box. you know how fast you was, it was going. It was imprisoned. <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you guys? Uh, did you guys hear about the exploding kittens Kickstarter? Yeah, I, saw I that. looked at it and saw that. I, I mean, basically, that was just like a bunch of people wanting to give the oatmeal guy millions yeah, of dollars. Yeah, that's that's right? what like, I figured. Yeah, because the game. It looks. It looks fine. like it will be it looks fine. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like. It looked like a press your luck version of Flux. Huh. Press your fluck. Yeah. <laughs> Flux. Um, Elon Lee is, like has a lot of history in the ARG realm. Um, the guy, like the guy who's sort of one of the two designers of the game. Um, mm. He, we actually saw a talk by him, or at least I did, uh, at GDC Austin like six years ago or something. Um, he was involved. I think he helped do the I Heart Bees arg hmm. and stuff. Some, some of the really early args. Um, I think you always get I Love Bees and I Heart Huckabees confused. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's it's interesting that he's doing this now. I think he's also back at Microsoft working on stuff as his day job, which is weird. Um, but yeah, they made they like are they up to like two million dollars of funding on a, just wow. sort of a very simple card game. Yeah, it was a ten thousand dollar project. Yeah, and it's only on the second day. It, so are they just going to be making a lot of copies of this card game? Uh, probably at least seventy or eighty thousand copies so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were like seventy five thousand backers when I looked at it. It's crazy, man. Um, playing video games, Kevin. I played a little bit of the like pre-release version of Gravity Ghost. So I I played this back at PAX two years ago, 2013. Yeah, and then we played a, we saw it a little bit. Uh, she was next to us at uh, Indicade. Yeah, um, and so that build was like all I had seen of it for eighteen and you know twenty months or something like that, and then. Um, because I pre-ordered it, I got to sort of be in the sort of super late beta version of it and played a couple hours of it this past week. And it has changed, like, the the basic mechanics of it are the same, but the game has changed dramatically uh, in that in intervening time. I've um, been seeing a lot of people talking about it and been surprised at how much attention it's getting based on what I saw of it before. Not that it wasn't... Not that it didn't look good... But it just looked like the art you know, style just a, does just not like a polished version of like a flash game that you would have played 15 years ago. Right. It it, it has a lot more going on now than it did when yeah. I saw it. No, um, I, I assume that it must. But it is the art style does not really speak to me. It's it's sort of a kind of blockily animated sort of 
uh, chunky crayon style almost in a lot of ways. So this is a this is a platformer with like orbital mechanics. Is that right? It's not really a. I mean, I guess it's a platformer. Yeah, but it's definitely like orbital. But you're just like flying around and subject to gravity from a bunch of different objects, right? right? And you get power ups which allow you to have more control over how that works for you Mm. but at the same time the environments get more and more complicated like there's planets made out of water so you pass right through them instead of landing on them and there's glass planets which you have to wait you're a ghost yeah it's (laughs) weird there's there's a bunch of weirdness wait ghosts can only ghosts can only go through water which normal people can go through water yeah no you don't even have to be a ghost to go through that but they can go through the walls of haunted houses is like a haunted house planet it's not a haunted house god let's go there (laughs) <laughs> no, no. Oh, come on. No. We can go there during the day. It'll be real small, so you could just stay on the daytime side all the time. And so then it's just like looking at a cool haunted house and never actually getting haunted. You uh, you collect f- flowers, which lengthen your hair, and then you use that hair to terraform planets. What? Yeah, it's a little weird. You know, like the ways in which we use barber hair to terraform planets. <laughs> yep. Or to, to, to like fill in lagoons. <laughs> Did you know cookies. that the entirety of California used to be underwater, but it was built up with barber <laughs> hair from uh, the first barbershop that opened during the gold rush? <laughs> they opened it on the surface of the water and yeah. it's just been falling in since then. <laughs> It's not filled yeah, with legumes. It's just, yeah, it's like a, it's like a barbershop that doesn't have a floor. It's like a barber boat. <laughs> so that was actually Waterworld was set in like the early 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, not a lot of people know that about California. There's um there's cutscenes now in the game, which oh the the writing is actually well, pretty that good. That explains why it has taken so many years. Yeah. <laughs> to make um, the writing is pretty good. It's you know, I'm I'm I've played through maybe the first quarter of the game probably, uh, and I am I am intrigued by it enough to want to go back and and see where it goes. That's cool. It's yeah. it did not seem like a bad game. It just seemed like a game that wasn't for me. Like it might still not be for you. I'm I don't I don't know that you would get into it. Um, so I, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't recommend it for you necessarily. But I'm curious. I've never been super good at like games where like gravitar or whatever right like games where you're primarily like sub subject to gravity there are it definitely pat gravitar yes okay it definitely uh leads to some frustrating moments where you're where you're like on the left side of the screen all you want to do is get to the exit on the right side of the screen but like you got to figure out how to navigate around these planets such that you you land on the right spot and you'll you you miscalculate and you're back on the left side and you're like god damn it I remember playing some game on Congregate where you were a little golf astronaut. Okay. And there were all these planets and you had to hit, like, figure out how to get the golf ball to the hole on a different planet and, like, Mm. arcing it around. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you probably didn't play it because it was a golf game. (sighs) Yeah. I finished Sunburn. Um, The last couple of levels were insanely difficult, but really good. It's been staring at me from the home screen of my phone, but I haven't run it yet. Oh, it's good. You Have should... we talked about that yet? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit last week, I think. Okay. Um, it's that's the game where you're in space and uh, traveling. It's it's it, in some ways similar to Gravity Ghost, although um, you're not sort of floating around nearly as much. You're. Oh, I think I remember this conversation. Trying to collect your fellow astronauts and then jump into the sun right, so that you yeah. all die together. 
Yeah. yeah. I got. Uh, I bought the early access of Infinifactory. Oh yeah, and I am super excited about that game. Yeah, I was real. I was real into it, and then I hit a wall right after I talked to you guys about it earlier today. And now I'm like, well, I got three puzzles, and I have to solve one of the three in order to progress. And I'm really not having any luck with any of them. Mm-hmm. Huh? Um, Did you, you see that to... he's giving out patches to the first hundred people that solve all hundred puzzles or whatever? Oh, Jesus, oh, no. That you need to just. You need to just boot into Windows and buy this and just play it for a few hours because it is yeah, right up your alley. That's what I'm going to have to do, I think. Uh, man, there's too many other things. It's neat. I mean, it's like Space Chem, but with Minecraft-style construction. And what's what's awesome is that it is a game that you just immediately know how to play because you've played a lot of Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Like, you are you immediately have this ability, this facility with building these giant things out of cubes mm-hmm. because like that's just part of the lexicon that's now. just yeah that's just a vocabulary that you have now it has like it has kind of a weird movement thing where you jump and then hit jump again and it puts you in sort of flying mode and i am constantly struggling against trying to use world of warcraft flying controls oh. um which i think just means that i need to remap x to down hmm. um but it's like control moves you down, which I guess is also that happens in some games where it's like crouch. But yeah, it's, you know, I think I'm rapidly going to get to the point where the puzzles are too hard for me, but I'm having a good time and I would really enjoy just a sandbox mode to just dick around in, mm-hmm. I think. Or you could play Minecraft. <laughs> That's true. I mean, so Minecraft is obviously really impressive and really cool but i wish that the game was different like i don't feel like a lot of the decisions that were made about what kind of stuff there is in minecraft that actually has an effect on the game are decisions that i think were good yeah right (laughs) like the nether is a really cool idea but actually just kind of sucks and you know like the way that enchanting works is so dumb. Yeah. And the way, you, like um, all of the actual game stuff about it just seems like, yeah, you know, I just don't like this. Yeah. Very much. I, I, I tend to agree. I think I, like, I wish there were 50 times game. as many monsters that were different monsters with, you know, just cosmetic changes or whatever, but they, maybe they dropped some other stuff or whatever. It's, mm. it is weird that like the most popular game, in the world, it's about killing monsters, and there are four of them. Well, and I, mean, I guess that's about, fine. I th- that must be building stuff, right? That's well, what it's sure, always been but about. I mean, and, but that's the and that's the part it, that it does well, right? It doesn't right, do right, game. right, 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 and and giving you the giving you the materials and stuff. But it's like the fact that I mean, I always played it where if you didn't actually gather the materials out in the world, like the stuff that you built wasn't very impressive, and that's all, we we were all sort of like minded yeah. on the server that we played on in that regard, and you'd really start to butt up against like. Well, if I want some of this stuff, I just have to go kill a bunch of these stupid monsters in the nether. And I just don't want to because they the the randomness of it makes it so maybe you'll never fucking find one. And mm. like, well, and then somebody on the server makes a grinder. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. The engine is about building stuff. The game is about yeah. surviving against monsters and 
making everything ugly by putting fucking torches everywhere so creepers don't spawn and blow up your shit that you're trying to build, yeah. right? But you don't want to play on creative because, yeah, that's, because that's boring. boring. It's like just god mode. Have you have you looked like have you looked at it recently? They've been adding uh to it to the point where it's now really robust uh tools for making like like created and engineered adventure maps. Mm, okay. They they there's a they have like a a block that you could spawn in that that lets you like program in logic to the game like when the player characters within x blocks of this command block spawn a particular monster mm. that can have like all kinds of crazy attributes or hmm. and they can like you can spawn structures and all kinds of really really complex stuff and turn off and the player's off ability levels. to break that really blocks cool. and, that does sound really cool yeah. is the and that's all supported i'm not going to have to install no, a bunch of native. mod framework no, or whatever all, like all you have to do is find an like download map a map and, and huh, yeah, okay yeah. yeah um i i played a map recently and i can't think of what the name of it is but i'll look it up for the uh if uh, if jim does his uh does his forum post i'll look up yeah yeah send me post to I, that. send me anything you have for that there is a uh, minecraft's new uh what's it called minecraft worlds or something realms. like realms yeah they have they have a default map uh, well they have several default maps you can pick from and one of them is a map like that that somebody else made that is um it's like one of those complete the monument maps where you've got where you have to go through the different areas of the of the map and collect all the different colors of wool and then bring them back to to stack on the little post to prove that you did it. Mm -hmm. And he set up this thing where every area is a completely different game type. So there's one that's like one of these adventure type maps and there's one that's like a a a, a jumping puzzle challenge and there's one that's just a trivia contest oh, the platforming yeah. in minecraft is not very good but how is the how is the trivia contest it's it's implemented? like it's you step on a thing and it uses a command block to pop up in like the little chat window uh, a question about the history is a command of block like in the integrated circuit version of redstone I don't know how it works. It's it's whatever this thing is that lets you program in logic for adventure maps. Yeah. But but then it has like three doors that you can go through for whatever what you what you want to pick as your answer. Uh -huh. Yeah. And there's like one part at the end of it, like the the way it's set up. Why the way that particular thing is set up is if you choose the wrong answer it teleports you to like a little punishment room where a bunch of skeletons kill you or something and every punishment room is a little bit different and one of them it just teleports you like all the way up in the sky so that you fall to your death but as you're falling you can see the structure of how this thing was built and it's crazy looking huh. it's super elaborate for all the different rooms that it had to have in it hmm. But yeah, and there's like an adventure map where he puts you on this like small island and and there's a a bin that he says like, all right, go go find enough stuff to make an anvil and a diamond sword and this and that and that. And it's like a scavenger hunt. And when you've made these things, put them in this chest and the command block like reads what's in the chest so that it knows when you've won. Hmm. And yeah, it's just tons of like really varied and interesting stuff. That sounds pretty cool, and yeah. I'm going to look at it. I also played a bunch of um, – are any of you guys following uh, Lane Nooney on Twitter? Uh, nope. 
Uh, it's she's at Sierra underscore offline. She is sort of a video games historian and is I don't know if there's a particular project that she is embarked on right now or if she's just tweeting a lot about the stuff that she's doing day to day. But it's a bunch of just like early history of Sierra online stuff and going through a lot of uh, not of just Sierra online stuff, but she worked there, I think, a long time ago. Hmm. But just going through old computer magazines and just talking about ads and linking to articles and stuff. And it's, and it's pretty interesting. But one of the things that she talked about was this game called freedom uh, with an exclamation point that was, it turned out a Minnesota educational computing consortium game, like the people who made Oregon trail, but it was a game that they made in 1993, but it was still an Apple two GS game. Um, but you can play it uh, online. Yeah, the, the Apple twos were in, in manufacture for, for like a decade longer than you would expect because of the public school system. Yeah. I mean, they were still just handing them out, right? I mean, and that was like, they had started making the Macs at that point, but I, I was just surprised to see that that company was still making like relatively high end Apple games in 93. Yeah. Um, so was, this game, the year doom came out. Yeah. <laughs> this game is you start out and you choose whether you want to be a, a male or a female slave where you live, like where the plantation is that you're trying to escape from. And what that does is there's just a big map where I think it turns out that every pixel of the map represents like a room that you go through later. It's sort of like, like an, a, you're sort of moving around on a chessboard like and the, the pixels are the sta- the, the the spaces. Mm-hmm. Um the further south you start, the harder the game is, right? So you're just sort of selecting a difficulty there. But you, you like look at the map and sort of see where you are. But you don't – your guy, once you like leave leave the plantation and set out, you don't always know which way north is. Like you either have to have learned from somebody. Like if you're around trees, you can hit a thing to look at the trees and then like you know that moss grows on the north side of a tree or whatever, right? So you sort of orient yourself that way. Sometimes you start with a compass. If it is nighttime, you can look at the stars to figure out which way is north. And you're seriously just like scrolling through a simulation of stars. Oh, wow. And you have to so know this where is the something north the player stars. has to know. Yeah. Well, the, there's a guy that will explain it to you. If you the, the game starts out and you can talk to all of your the sort of relatives and the other slaves on the plantation. And you just ask them, you know, there's a bunch of like dialogue tree stuff that you can do. They will each like give you some money if you ask them. And they will each give you some advice if you ask them and then they will each give you some like supplies if you ask them which it kind of sucks because the thing that you have to do every time you start the game is to just like mm, go and go, go through guy. all of yeah. these menus and talk to them it's like son yeah. of a bitch like um and it's like really like mark twain level sort of patois like mm. it's re- really really slangy in a way that is kind of uncomfortable <laughs> and then like it, it turned it, out it feels racist. You mean? Yeah. Even though I think it's absolutely not. Sure. Sure. You know, it just, it, but it just, yeah, no, I get it. I started reading about the history of this game. It was, it was barely released. I mean, this is why we didn't know about it. It was barely released because a school in Phoenix got sued by the parents of a black kid who the other kids after playing this game were like making fun of him. Hmm. Huh? centered around the way that the characters talked in the very beginning of this. And that's the oh. only thing about it. It was just the fact that these these characters talked like, you know, black people in Huckleberry Finn that 
And then MECC just shut it down. They just pulled it. They're like, nope, this game doesn't exist anymore. Jesus. As a result of that, which seemed fucking crazy. That's remarkable. That that me. sounds like a really powerful game. What's the name of it again? Freedom. It's called Freedom! Exclamation point. It is so, like, I was thinking about how Oregon Trail never felt to me like Papers, Please or Cart Life because it's a cool adventure. Yeah. Right? Hmm. And like, all right, you kid died of dysentery, haha, diarrhea, like, but I mean, this. You're, and you're also shooting, you're shooting yeah yeah no i mean it's just like a it's just like a fun thing and like with all this like there's all this progress you know you make all this progress and like you see numbers get bigger and like it's it's like it's too fun to actually be an effective message about how horrible it was making that trip under those conditions with that (laughs) technology right fording a river was always just stressful yeah, when it was just like a bunch of gambling, right? And you never won. I never won. I never made it to Oregon in all of the, you know, all of the dozens of times that I played it as a kid. But this, this game is just fucking vicious. Like, hmm. you don't really seem to have any control over, like, you're you're moving around. And I guess there there's probably more to the actual gameplay than I was able to discover. Like, I know you can go to towns and depending on like how educated the people in the towns are, they may or may not like turn you into the slave hunters. And when you end up in an, in a sort of like quasi combat encounter with the, with the slave hunters, it just seems to be a bunch of die rolls that are sort of maybe based on what you like when your character is, is created, it will like, sort of role for your stats, like whether you can read and write, whether you are a strong swimmer or not, like whether, I I don't remember exactly what else. If you can't read, all of the signs are just displayed with just like glyphs, like just non-letter characters, which I thought was super clever. Yeah. When you're moving around, it's a, it's a quasi like wizardry style display, um, where it's got the the sort of main window is divided into three sections and one of them is what's in front of you and then there's there's sort of edges based on what's ahead and to the right and ahead and to the left of you. Mm-hmm. It's really not very good. Mm-hmm. Like it's the the fidelity of it does not really make it clear what's in front of you really. But um a lot of it is just like, all right, the, the slave hunters are coming after you. Do you run or do you hide? And if you run, like, where do you want to run? If you hide, where do you want to hide? And they're either, up, oh, they're still after you. Up, oh, they're still after you. Up, oh, they're still after you. Captured game over. Mm. Like, and it's just like, ugh. And there's just this sort of description of like, this is what the rest of your life is like as a slave. Yeah. Like, you're nice. the only yeah. way that you can rebel is to pretend to be lazy and stupid, but like just enough to not get beaten, but mm. still like not, you know, do a good job of working for these assholes. Like, and yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. But do you actually play that part? No. Do you actually like choose how hard to work? No, it's just described. There's just a, there's just yeah. an expository paragraph at the end. The, the gameplay is like, and I never really went into any settlements or anything because I figured, I always figured I shouldn't go to a town that's really close to the plantation that I just escaped from. <laughs> um, but you have these meters of like, they're sort of Sims style meters of, how hungry you are and how good a shape you're in and how tired you are. And I imagine it's probably better to like hide and sleep during the day and move at night. But I was, I was not really able to use a lot of the verbs because I didn't have any twine. Like in order to fish, you need twine in order to catch game. You need twine and others. I had all the other stuff. So this is some sort of complicated twine game. It is really, it's just a (laughs) twine game. Um, But you know, you've got, you've got a fairly like 
sophisticated inventory with with you know items and icons representing the items and stuff. It's it's um, in the emulator that I played it in. It was really sluggish, and I imagine given that that emulator tells you when it's hitting disk and actually simulates the noises of an Apple II GS yeah. disk drive. <laughs> um, that it was probably really painful to play. Like it was just trying to be too much game for the hardware. Like so, bo- it, both yeah. in the sense of it being like really challenging subject matter. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I don't. It seems like the kind of thing that they should have required kids to play. Hmm. But you know, it reading the objections that that sort of activists had to the game at the time. They just seem so bad and so disingenuous. Like uh, there are the, there, people have banned Huckleberry Finn for those same reasons, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it just seems like so counterproductive. Like yeah, it, that just makes everyone mad. <laughs> like yeah, well, it, it, it's harder to make the case, I think, for a game just because people don't think of games as a thing that. Yeah, don't people think of Huckleberry like, Finn as literature, which has a different yeah. social standing. And I mean, uh, especially in 1993, people didn't think of games like that. I mean, that was like the that was also the sort of like uh, like Tipper Gore and mm-hmm. and uh, Lieberman, right? Were, like that was when there were all the the sort of subcommittee hearings about violence in video games and stuff like Mortal Kombat One. Oh yeah, was, and Doom were sort of just controversial on kind of a national scale. And I think that it didn't really amount to anything, but it was kind of in the public eye at that time. I hadn't really made that connection until just thinking about like, I remember what 1993 was like, like (laughs) notably, I think that um, Oregon trail is distinct from the other three examples that you gave this game, papers, please. And cart life in that Oregon trail is not about uh, social oppression it's the, the the conflict that arises there is man versus nature, which is I think uh, uh, well, and it's something Native that, like, Americans, yeah, and man versus n- yeah. the Indians, right? Which is which should have been, and I don't remember actually a lot. The way that that seemed to be treated was every once in a while you would just hit the button to circle the wagons, and then that threat was gone. But I actually don't remember that mechanic at all. I don't remember if like I don't remember Indians. I don't remember if never the, but, lasted very long. Yeah, well, you definitely. I mean, the further west you got, the more of them there were. Um, mm-hmm. But you definitely, it was definitely addressed, right? I mean, you like you were going from fort to fort, and that that was what the military was for yeah. at that point, right? So, it, like, it, it Oregon Trail should have been as challenging if it was actually going to be effective at communicating what it was trying to communicate. I think, and while while you're right. I, they they kind of whitewashed the whole Native American conflict aspect of it, I think, and it became I, I, more I about like I don't remember it being in the game. Yeah, there were also a lot of different versions of the game, right? That's true. Um, I remember playing one on these TRS eighties that we had in my first, like my the elementary school that I went to. Um, the the computer lab like the table in the library that had six TRS 80s on it like mm-hmm. model ones and I'm pretty sure that the Oregon Trail that was on that was typed in by the librarian it was just yeah. a basic program that was typed in by the librarian from a book that was in the library 
Yeah. Um, so it was a- just like a it was just like a port a basic port of Oregon Trail. Like when well, it, there the wasn't like the little running was. around shooting stuff game, it was like type bang and however many <laughs> like however fast you typed bang is how, whether you whether you beat the bear or not. There is there is a story arc in the Akewood comic strip where they discovered <clears> a <throat> version of Hiram, of uh, Oregon Trail that had been modded such that you could get into a gay relationship with Hiram the blacksmith in the first town and then just never leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just screw your family. Yeah. They go on without you. I was living a lie. <laughs> you guys can go live the truth without me. Hmm. Yeah, anyway, so that was I I was wouldn't have anticipated that I was going to be playing an Apple II game mm. about an escaped slave, but um, and I also don't know that I'm going to keep playing it because it's sort of more hard than it is fun as a game. Yeah. Right. It sounds and a little it's like, tedious too with uh, having to talk to everybody. Yeah. I mean, I might play it in an emulator with save states, I guess, because I would like to learn more about, I would like to know more about how the mechanics of the game work, right? Yeah. How the simulation aspects of it are. But there is like nothing about the game because it existed for like a month and then they pulled the plug on it because it was too controversial. Mm. Yeah. Maybe you can, uh, maybe you can, maybe there's a setting in your emulator that'll let you run it at a faster clock speed. Mm, yeah, maybe. I'm just running it in one of those web emulators. So, like, oh, yeah. I could also just download the disk images and run it on my computer computer. Yeah. And it would probably be. Uh, if you want to try being more invested in Oregon Trail, Ben Kuchera was talking about how he had, um, named all the family members after his children mm. and then when they started getting sick and dying he realized that was actually a really bad idea um hmm. so just try having some kids and then <laughs> okay name yeah, step one when my yeah. dad and i when my dad and i used to play might and magic he named all of the characters after it was like me and him and my mom and then the dog was the thief yeah yeah uh, indy <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was Skipper. Okay. Uh, we didn't name that dog. The We got the dog after it was already named. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know if it was like the Skipper from Gilligan's Island or he skips. Like, that's how he runs. It was a police dog. It was weird. Um, Maybe he's just patterned like someone who's in charge of a ship. Oh, he's Skipper because he's been trained to skip white people when he's alerting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so that was that was the the games that I played. There were not much of them. I I've continued to play Fall in London. Um, yeah, me too. There's a lot of people in the forums talking about it and doing all kinds of multiplayer stuff. Yeah, I added some names to yeah. my list of whatever you call it. I'm making progress in the person of some importance quest. There you go. Pick that it's up getting gets getting a little tedious. Like it's getting to the point where the right thing for me to do is to find something that I can do really safely to just very slowly grind my stats up so that I can do the stuff that I actually want to do without constantly being exiled to the tomb colonies. Yeah, I mean, the way I think you have to play it is to do just to do things that are available to you and then you'll realize eventually, oh, my stats are probably high enough to do this other thing that's long term. Yeah, you just can't tell which things are long term, right? Like, I feel like I still feel that you know, and this thing that I know you think of as one of the strengths of the game, but I feel like it communicates very, very poorly what the differences are between things that are extremely different. 
in terms I don't know of, if I said that was a strength of the game. Well, you said not that, but the the fact that everything is just one of those cards, no matter what it is. Oh, I think yeah, you yeah. felt like that level of abstraction. It it is a benefit insofar as like you can have things that are happening to you and ways that you feel and other characters' relationships with you, and there aren't like fifty systems for describing all of those things. Yeah. There yeah, are that's just, something that I thought was really cool. You're right. Yeah. Um but and and my problem I think was more with the fact that the way, you know, the affluent photographer feels about you is exactly the same presentationally. It's in a different place on the screen, right? As, you know, do a dance for the people at this bar. <laughs> and do a dance for the people at this bar is exactly the same as found a new college and become its dean and this is <laughs> going to take you 90 days. Yeah. Right? And you just can't tell well, you, when you, you click on something, whether it's part of a larger thing or not. You can tell after you do it a few times, and you're like, okay, this is going to take a while. Yeah. So, in in that sense, you have spent a few turns on it, so there's a cost to telling, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, Man, there are just so many things. Every, like, I realized that what I did, what I finally accomplished, like, the day before yesterday, was a goal, and I looked at when I wrote down this text file... I just like, oh, they're selling some new storyline thing for Christmas. I'm going to buy this because I've got a bunch of those points that I bought. And I'm just going to spend them on whatever it puts in front of me that looks interesting. And this did. And I just got to a point where it's like, all right, you're in this maze looking for where this creepy doll was manufactured or whatever. And you need these two objects. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have those. Let's figure out what I need to do to get those objects. So I like looked them up in a wiki and I'm like, okay, well, okay. So, and ultimately what I needed to do was level up for like three weeks, <laughs> go on enough archeological expeditions that I was able to become a scholar of the correspondence, which I think there are just all of these for every stat. There are some like high level repeatable things that you can do with big rewards at the end of them that you kind of have to prepare for, like the writing a book. Yeah. Thing, right? Where there's like all these different ways that you can write material, and then there's all these different processes of like editing the material, and like, you know, oh, you've got some romantic notions. You can add some romance to the story by consuming those, and like, you've got some, you know, tales of adventure on the sea. You can, you know, add some adventure to it, and then you're trying to build up the potential of a book, and then finally publish it, and then you get an item which is a book that sells for more depending on how popular it is. Like, <laughs> and yeah, the archaeological expeditions are kind of the same thing. Like, they just, all they're actually doing is unlocking, like, a further tier of some currency. I mean, yeah, and they're also, I like, they're, they're a cool story. the whole game down that way story. if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, but I mean. It, it, you have to it not is, think about it too hard, I think. Sure, but it's, what is interesting is that mechanically, the system that lets you, you know, you know, get, r r produce material and edit material and then you know, promote material and publish a book is the exact same system that lets you hire guys and gather supplies to go on an archaeological expedition and right. then and deal then with the all guys the threats. And the supplies are in the same stat. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. And, it, like, it's also, sort of, like, it seems to be built such that, like, all right, when you are doing this archaeology, you're accumulating like nightmares as the negative consequence, as opposed to suspicion as the negative consequence. But the place that you go when you get too much suspicion, 
gives you resources while you're there that are really useful in the archaeological expeditions, mm. right? Like you, because you can hire, you can use connections to criminals to find like places where they've hidden things in in the in the old part of the city, and you can use connections with the dock workers, which the prison is full of, to give you supplies much more cheaply for going on the archaeological expeditions. Right. But you don't ever get sent to jail for doing archaeology. You get sent <laughs> to jail for stealing shit. Hmm. And I haven't done it yet, but there's the, the 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 sort of sneaky alternative to that is like casing a joint and then performing a big heist, which right. is exactly the same as writing material and then editing <laughs> material and then publishing a book that is a bit. And it's it's cool that the story elements of it are so strong that all of those things feel like different gameplay, even though they are obviously not. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this is going to be our game of the year in terms of amount of time spent talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the game of the fiscal year. <laughs> right, the, right. The got fee. Game of the year of Luigi. <laughs> all right. Anybody else? Anything yeah. else? What about news? I saw Microsoft did a hologram. Yeah. Yep. Windows is a subscription product now. Ugh. But it's I was free reading for about a, a, a robot called uh, Kuratas. Um, I don't know if this is news or not because I don't know how long it's been around. But there is a. Uh, it's basically like a war mech that you can buy on Amazon and Amazon Japan for 120 million yen. How much dollars is that? That's uh, like 1.2 million or so. Yeah. It's a lot of yen. It's a lot of dollars. That's true. Is it really a, a war? It's a real mech? big. It's, uh, so it's got weapons, but we're, they're like Gatling BB guns. That would still hurt. It would. <laughs> it, they're, they're in the demonstration. If you, if you Google for this, you'll find a demonstration video, like the sort of the owner's, owner's introduction to the, how to use the, the Kuratas. Um, and it's got a woman in a ridiculous flight suit showing you all the controls. Um, and, uh, the highlight of the video is, is where you, you see her using the HUD to lock on to a human target. And then you fire the guns by smiling. <laughs> the, <laughs> Jesus. The robot detects <laughs> the emotion on your face and fires the BB guns. It's, uh, it's really bizarre. Like, just it's it. It was made by a um, a roboticist and an artist, so it's pretty clearly like an art project. Uh, but it's also actually functional and actually a thing you can buy. Is there only one of them, or did they? I get the sense that I mean, it's on Amazon, but I do get the sense there's just one. <laughs> like they're selling the one on Amazon, which is a weird. Like weird. I, that strikes me as a stunt. I think they're probably. Probably, if they're going to sell it, it's going to be to someone who approaches them directly. Huh. That'd be a hell of a thing to see coming over the hill in a paintball arena. Yeah, yeah, it it, it goes 10 kilometers an hour. I don't know how far that is, Jim. That's about, it's about five miles an hour. So, like, know. about a walk speed? Oh, it's a brisk... A, I, I don't... I don't think I could walk that fast. That's probably like a medium speed run, mm. but you could outrun it in in a, for a short distance, probably. Can it turn? 
<laughs> uh, it's one, it's on wheels, so it doesn't. It's yeah. not a it's not a walking mech. Uh, okay, I guess that probably makes it practical to actually exist. Right. Exactly. <laughs> How big is it relative to the to a Japanese lady? Um, I mean, she fit in the cockpit and it closed around her. Uh, the the spec that I saw was like three point eight meters high. So, damn it, Jim! D- who knows? A meter is who like knows how how long that is in moon ma- in, in, in like English? <laughs> uh, it would not. Uh, I don't think and it, it would maintains fit a in comfortable the- cabin temperature of thirty five degrees centigrade. Like, <laughs> that's not very comfortable, actually. <laughs> is that really cold or is that on fire? I don't. That's that's, uh, that's warm. That's a. Human body temperature is thirty-seven degrees centigrade. Yeah, that's like a. So it'd be comfy. It'd be like a, sta- a sauna. Uh, <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, the comfiest place imaginable. Um, I don't think it would fit in the podcast room. I think it would like break through the ceiling. Ah, rad. <laughs> yeah, man. And then you, so we could just be doing a podcast in our sweet sauna, and every time somebody told a joke, a bunch of kids in the park would fall over dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> That smiling to make it shoot thing makes it a thing that I just don't want. Even <laughs> if I had a billion dollars, I would not buy it because of that. I wonder if you yeah. could mod it to like, I don't know. Oh, she, she loved killing that guy, though. She was just like grinning the whole time. I mean, that sucks, though, because if you if you are a person who likes killing a guy, <laughs> you're just going to run out of ammo after the first guy because oh, you'll never stop shooting. Shit. You're just going <laughs> to a you're just going to powder his corpse. Uh-huh. And there's going to be nothing left to nail to your wall as a grisly trophy. <laughs> and B, you're going to use up all your ammo. Then I guess maybe you go slightly faster without the weight of all those BBs. Yeah, well, you'll run out of ammo and then you'll stop smiling. Oh, rats. <laughs> oh, do you reload by frowning? Because that's, <laughs> that's a good idea. It's pretty good Different cycle. facial expressions are mapped to different weapons, probably. Saying damn it increases the accuracy assist on the targeting computer. <laughs> Enhance. Farting deploys the smoke screen. <laughs> yeah, saving that one up. <laughs> uh, so this assignment. How to become a great artist yeah. in ten seconds. I I had fun. I I yeah. noodled around with it a bit. That's what it's for. That's yeah. what it is, right? I mean, sure. it, like, I feel like the game elements of this are a joke. Are alive, they exist. Yeah. yeah when but... I when I started playing this game, like, for, I thought it was a puzzle game for, like, five minutes, because that's how long it took me to get, like, a, a, a measurable score on the first puzzle, on the, uh, the, the blank canvas one. Yeah. So, okay, so if, if you haven't played this game, the way, what it is is it's uh, a paint program where every key on the keyboard does a different operation operation to the canvas. So yeah. like there there are there's a, a key to like do this sort of a rectilinear swirl. Right. There's a key that like divides the canvas into the the even pixels and the odd pixels and moves them in opposite directions. Yeah, it sort of parallaxes. Yeah, there's a key that like see as far as I can tell what it does is it's sorting the pixels from darkest to lightest. From top to bottom, there's also a side to side version of that, and and then there's a there are a set of keys that like operate sort of like an etch a sketch, but they only do that when the canvas is black because if the, it runs over existing pixels, it just sends pixels spewing everywhere. Um, and so the game aspect of this is you are given like here's an image on the right, 
and your image is on the left, and you have to make them match. I like that in the some of the earlier like the tutorial modes, it's just just do what the computer is doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it just applies yeah. a bunch of random things. Good so luck. I um I kind of had a hard time. This thing just crashed over and over and over again. I was never able to play it for more than a couple minutes at a time. Yeah, it crashed a couple of times for me too. It's just like whatever the is the game written in Lua. As Does far as I can, yeah, as far as I can any- tell, it like it. It com- it's a Lua program, and it you install the Lua, or it installs the Lua runtime right next to it. So and then just re- you just run a batch file to to run. Oh, that's which actually, I, I thought that was really cool because it, yeah. it was just like three. There's like a Linux batch file or whatever you call it in a shell command, a shell script, yeah. a shell script, right? And then a Mac equivalent, and it's all like it's all in the same install. Yep. Um, I turned the sound off fucking right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, the first time I loaded the game, it was horrifying. <laughs> but then that means you didn't hear any of the things that happen when you hit the number keys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did. I did. I went through them once. Okay. Um, and that's fine. What It, it kind of got me thinking about, like, how I wish that I wish that there was more randomly generated like if you're going to do randomly generated music and I know this is probably not random like it's probably something based on what's actually on the screen right I'm but actually not sure about that yeah I don't, if you're going to do randomly sure. generated music you should have it follow some kind of rules to make it tolerable to listen to <laughs> I think I I I think because gen- reasonable. genuine I, well, random I, is just I agree I I don't think that's satisfying. what this is I think this is actually like Oh, it's meant to be unpleasant. I think so. Yeah, but I mean that's okay. Like, hook up, hook hook the game up to a kilotron, so that anytime it produces music that isn't pleasing, it it, uh, it just kills everybody. The universe. Yeah. Oh no, no. You just get a series of computers. This is how we do a genetic uh, music generation algorithm. You get a series of computers. You point the kilotron at each one. If it produces music that makes you smile, you kill. Oh wait, shit. Um. <laughs> You p- hmm. you make opposing algorithms, and you listen to the one behind you. And if it makes you smile, then you kill its opposite. Okay, yeah, and then you just keep doing that until you end up with a perfect random music generator. <laughs> you know, this as a gag, you know, as a IGF contender, <laughs> like yeah. I, I can appreciate this thing. Yeah. The one or two times that I made something that actually looked kind of halfway decent, I was pleased. I was trying to figure out how to take a screenshot, and I couldn't. I just took a regular, like, screenshot from my OS. Yeah. I thought a lot of the manipulations it did were really visually interesting. I, yeah. I played a little bit over the weekend with a, a thing called Stitch and Glitch, which is a thing that you you feed in it a jpeg and it it uh it does like random like glitching to it and then outputs it as a cross stitch pattern uh and uh so i did like a bunch of crazy variations of uh vermeer's girl with a pearl earring but i don't know i i kind of want to figure out how to import some of the glitch al- algorithms from this thing into that because it, it had some pretty cool ones. I do like that it has a number of things that will just, oh, I made this look like garbage 
so I can now just smooth it out. Like there's just a lot of things that are like, right. oh, that's pretty nice yeah. actually. It yeah. just lets you zoom out and tile it and blurs it a little bit. So it's like, ah, oh, good. Yeah. Now it's a pattern. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Liz Ryerson, has been tweeting images that for she's made year. for the past like yeah year. I didn't and I didn't know what they were at first. Yeah, I didn't yeah, either. Me neither. And Michael Michael Brow retweets one of them every once in a while. I think. Yeah, yeah. But apparently they're just her working in this medium, which is, uh, I mean, it, it's... Now that I know what the, the tool is that those are generated from, I have more respect for those pieces of art, because they were actually kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, mm. that, I thought that this was just something that was just generated, like, in Photoshop, and I was like, oh, who cares? <laughs> but now that it's... It's not random, but it is much, much harder to control something to get something that looks mm. neat. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, first of all, you have to you have to develop the knowledge of which key does what. I do kind of wish that you could say, all right, I get it. Now just make WASD the fucking up, down, left, and right <laughs> instead of hiding them in all awkward corners of the keyboard. Oh, I assumed that they were. Like, I, I used Dvorak, so I had assumed that it was a reasonable layout in QWERTY. No. no. It's <laughs> not yeah, really. It's ju- it's up just, and down are close to each other or no? You you use right Dvorak? Yeah, yeah. Up and I, I have for down like and left years. are close wow. to each other. I never thought I'd ever meet anyone who did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, the, we exist. I know some other people <laughs> who use it too. It's weird. It's like meeting a guy who actually learned Esperanto. <laughs> oh, do those what, people guys, exist? It's just better. <laughs> yeah, but. Well, I, I I still type in English though, so like <laughs> sure, well I can communicate with you, people. I mean, using... you think you're typing in English? Yeah, but there's no proof. <laughs> you you type in what your mom continues to describe as English. Yeah, yeah, she's just humoring you. Oh, um. So what are we doing next time? I, does anybody else have anything to say about this? I like it, it was. It was interesting. I'm glad I played it. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Me too. I, well, this was I, worth I wanna, paying I wanna, a little bit of attention to. Just, I want to say that like the. The exam mode where it actually times you. Yeah, the actual game part of it. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that, well, obviously it was a joke, but I, I thought it was, the scoring system actually seems really weird. I couldn't quite, yeah. I thought it was just a, a straight comparison, like subtracting the one pixel from the other, but it's not that. And my top scores in exam mode are all, almost all, um, the the initial image started out at like twenty percent, <laughs> and I didn't touch it. And that oh, that's your new high score. I kept trying like the the tom- the picture of tomatoes or whatever. I kept trying to get close to that just in terms of palette, and sure, it yeah. didn't. It, that didn't seem to help. Like it was often closer with an off palette. Yeah, and yeah. Some, somebody on the forum posted a screenshot of the the blank page, and they had created an entirely blank square to match it and it marked it as zero percent <laughs> huh not similar at all Maybe yeah off, now i'm really curious white. what the comparison algorithm is because i mean i've definitely had it like this percentage is going up as this gets what i can identify as closer right that and has but. happened but also the opposite has happened for me mm. Well, you know, it's not a thing that disposes you to take it seriously. It's true. <laughs> or or trust that it's going to be done in a way that makes any sense. I like the um I like the starting patterns that are 
it seems like things that Michael just drew um, <laughs> because they just all they are is patterns of like yellow pixels on a black background, but they look like f- pixels that he put there, like a s- circuity di- diagram yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I like I like the idea of somebody writing a generator for that stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having like a desktop that just slowly morphed across procedurally generated cool circuit boards. I don't think I actually want that. I think I just want a flat black background. I remember back when you could have a a web page as your background. I think that was in like Windows ME as your desktop wallpaper. I hooked it up to the the prime number shitting bear. <laughs> Yay. Good old prime number shitting bear. I think I had to go in and optimize it because the prime after a while it really started chugging because the prime number generator was not very efficient. Yeah, yeah, it was a good way to eventually crash a computer. Right. You know what you should have gone to is uh, zombo.com. <laughs> yeah, and I could listen to that guy's voice all day. The only limit is the amount of memory that you have, and the only <laughs> limit is how much you can stand listening to this. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you can stand it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so next assignment is uh, Dungeon of the Endless. All right. I've played a little bit of this and I don't understand it at all. Okay. And so I'm looking forward to being forced to figure out what the fuck. That's good. <laughs> it's a thing where I'm not at all sure how much of what's going on on the screen is under my control. Oh. Interesting. This is a very stylish game. It looks in art style. Kind of like, uh, what was that iPad game that Robert Ashley had the voice cameo in? Oh, um, Swords and Sorcery? Yes, Swords and Sorcery. Sorcery. Lumber Brothers? Super Brothers. Super Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. so it looks kind of like that. This is like guys with long, single-pixel legs. Oh, that's cool. Sort of like like a lower-res Gods Will Be Watching that that aesthetic. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, I have no idea if, if it's going to be any good or not. But it's from people who made games that are well regarded. What have like, they made? Uh, they made Endless Space and Endless Legend. They got a theme. <laughs> yeah. Endless uh, Legend, the the four X game. Yep. Huh. Endless Space is also a four X game. Okay. And it's good. I played a bunch of it a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Um. You know, it's Master of Orion, but this is this is just like a little I I couldn't tell you if it's like turn based or not. Like I honest to God don't even after playing several games of it, I don't actually understand what kind of game it is or what actions you take. In huh. it. You're moving guys from room to room, and that might be the only thing that might be the only choice that you're making. I don't know. Well, okay. But they definitely, like, run around and kill guys pseudo-autonomously. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion. I don't know if there's something you're supposed to be doing while it's happening. I, I'm curious as to whether you guys can figure this game out or not. So when you go into the options, like, is there a key configuration? Can you use those to determine to what keys solve. you should try pressing? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I never did look. Uh, do you guys want to read some listener's mail? We have a lot of people sure. explaining a lot of things to us. Let's do it. Uh, Jeffrey Lawton says in an, in an email uh, with the subject line B facts, he says, <laughs> as the son of an apiarist, I feel sort of responsible to write in with B facts whenever B has come up on a show I like. So here it goes. 
Most jars of honey start out with plenty of dead bee parts in them, just as a function of how honey is processed. Modern bee boxes have individual frames inside them to encourage the bees to build in orderly rows. These are removed from the hives. Hives. The bees are literally shaken off. They are scraped to remove the wax cap on the honey cells and spun in a centrifuge to force the honey out. This leaves uh, plenty of bits of wax and bees that were too stubborn to let go in with the honey. We strained ours into five-gallon buckets through cheesecloth before filling the canonical bear-shaped bottles. Probably more interesting is a matter of bee stingers. They're barbed to stick in the victim and rip out of the bee's body along with its venom organ, which is a sac that spasms to inject the venom. In the case of a dead bee, the stinger will uh, stick and you'll get some venom, but unless something, and then the email cuts off. Oh, no. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, Geolaw. I, wanted, I, want, I want another explanation of why honey kills babies. Yeah. Well, how did bees come up? Uh, we were talking about how whether there were dead bee bits in honey. Were we? Yeah. When did when did we talk about that? <clears throat> I don't know. A few episodes ago. Okay. Uh, Steve Hack writes, "Hey guys," and then he points out the mistake that you made about concurrent Steam users versus regular Steam users. Anyway. Oh yeah. And then he says, "Zach, exactly at the same time you were saying no one wants to hear about Fallen London versus KOL, I was thinking it was a completely fascinating discussion. Please, more detail. Love the podcast. Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you, Steve. We should make the next episode just about that. Yeah." Uh, Benjamin Mayo writes, I heard you guys talking about Whitley Stryber's communion in the most recent VGHD, and I thought I would chime in. I know Whitley professionally, and I'm a PhD student working on the intersection between religion, philosophy, and science fiction, fantasy books, movies, video games, etc. Stryber continues to the present day and to the great detriment of his literary career to vehemently assert that the events described in communion and the following four books he wrote on the subject are absolutely true so far as he is able to tell. Rather than works of fiction, he views the books as radical attempts to understand the ineffable, fom- eh, the ineffable phenomena he experienced, which he refuses to equate to an extraterrestrial visit. Most interestingly, he views communion as being postmodern in exactly the opposite ways you and Kevin assumed. He thinks that rather than playing in the performative qualities of fiction masquerading as reality, like the Blair Witch Project, that the terrifying non-human reality he describes in communion were informed by the science fiction and monster movies he watched as a child. That science fiction culture literally changed what he saw from the angels and demons of the Middle Ages to the quasi- to the quasi-scientific register we possess as a culture today. Hope this was of some interest to you. Hot hmm, under the collar in Houston. That's my understanding of, like, if you look at what schizophrenics talk about seeing you know, 500 years ago, they were talking about mm-hmm. demons and angels. Yeah, yeah and that, yeah. yeah. like, conspiracy. UFO sightings today are, yeah. And there were, sa- there were there, like, the things after the Truman Show, schizophrenics started believing that they were on TV and being mm. broadcast and watched all the time instead of that the government was reading their thoughts with satellites, like, that... A lot of that stuff is very much like specific fears are culturally driven. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brian Murphy writes, why we don't have cool eye tracking. Hello, hot dog. Part of my master's thesis involved eye trackers, but this was eight years ago, so so the tech has gotten better. I know. Back then, however, eye tracking was very processor intensive, so much so that the eye tracker had its own computer and communicated with the other computer. Generally, eye tracking works by bouncing an IR beam off your eyes, taking a picture of your eyes, seeing where the beam reflects off of, then doing the math for the triangulation. The problem with this is that moving your head screws up the math, so keeping your head still is important. When I started, they had just figured out how to not have to strap a person's head into a fixed position in an insane asylum-style headpiece. Also, it doesn't work as an input device very well. People don't like to click on what they're looking at. Right. Best application I heard of it was to using it to input a password since it negated people looking over your shoulder. Yeah, I remember reading about the the idea of like a password just being a grid of pictures and you just look at them in a certain order. Hmm. I, think, I still uh, think biometrics are... <laughs> I, I think uh, uh, when we get to the point that where you, just, you can just use a webcam to tell where you're looking, 
that would enable a lot of really nice uh, improvements to the to the user experience, like just giving focus to the window you're looking at. Yeah. Or, um, you know, when you type, it goes into the text field you're looking at. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. I As opposed to just a... doing a bunch of crazy shit in Vim. Although that I you guess then just you have, have to, to panic and escape out of because you have no idea what you just did. If right, you're right. not, that would that would be a problem for like typists who are copying something off of something else. Yeah, that's true. If they're enough, if if they're enough of a touch typist that they can look at the at a sheet of paper and and type it into the computer. That's what I'm saying. You 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 activate it by looking at a thing and then like clicking your teeth or something. Uh, and then <laughs> you can look away and it and it stays where it yeah. was. Uh, Nate Vack also writes in about uh, gaze tracking. He says that thing you were talking about on the podcast with using your gaze as an input device. It exists. Plugs into USB and costs about 140 bucks. Uh, we use these eye trackers much. in our lab to see where people are looking during various psychological tasks. It basically works if conditions are good, but things like glasses and glare can throw it off. Yeah. It's intended as a gaming peripheral. They ship with a neat little game demo where you look at asteroids to shoot them, but has a UI control mode as well. It's really frustrating, and I turn it off right away. Uh, it turns out I, lo- I look at a lot of things I don't want to interact with, and my mouse and eyes can actually be oh. pretty independent, which is probably also true. Man, did did I mention, or have you guys seen... There is a study they were doing at, I think, University of Washington uh, about, um, like, transferring of motor control between two different people's brains. No. Wow. They had, they had a guy on what – they had a guy sitting in, in a room in a lab with um, sensors over his head, like, reading his – uh, his like electrical data of his brain is EEG or whatever. And he's looking at a very simple video game where you want to shoot a cannon at pirate ships. Right. But he doesn't have any controls. So what he's doing is every time he wants to fire the cannon, he thinks about like tapping a, a button that would fire the cannon. If he actually had a button. Huh. And it, they, they collected the signals produced by his brain, sent them over the internet to another building on the other side of campus where a second subject was sitting with, um, like a, a electrical, electromagnetic, some kind of device on their head that would send signals into their brain to fire off their, their motor cortex. And they could not see the video game, but they had the fire button. And so it was they these two people together were playing this video game on opposite sides of campus by one guy thinking about firing the cannon, thus sending the signal to the other person's brain to tap the button. It how, seems how I would not have thought they it? could induce that without having wires into your I mean there's there's all those really crude there's all those external weird. brain things right that are stimulating your yeah that just yeah. run current through yeah so that my, seems my that seems spooky like, because everything i hear about those is yep it's awesome like it just makes you smarter <laughs> like <laughs> also you can't fuck. smell anything anymore and yeah. your right leg twitches but <laughs> my my question about that is like okay how how conscious is is this person like sensing it and pushing the button in response to that? I, uh, I because like if if it, if it's if that's the process, then like 
It might as well be playing a tone. Yeah, and you press I don't. The when you I don't the tone. think so. It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since I read the article. I'll have to try and dig it up. But the impression that I got was that the person was just sitting there unconsciously tapping that button every now yeah. and then. Huh. I mean, it, it reminds me of the, 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 the like the vest that has all kinds of servos in it, and they can hook it up to any kind of data feed. And the idea is, can we develop an extrasensory perception of something else right. that that you can't normally sense? Like, could could you hook this up to a feed of the stock market and like develop an intuitive mm. sense of? Whether something like major was going to happen, about to collapse. Yeah, it wouldn't or, be. Yeah. It wouldn't be intuitive. I mean, I, well, I remember it, about but the it would be it, like, intuitive in the sense that, like, your brain would like the idea is that you would you would just let your brain sort of feel the patterns of what was going on and then have a sense of like when something significant was changing or whatever. Yeah, mm. I remember reading about. I think it was a belt. Oh yeah, yeah the one that tells yeah. you which way is north. Which way is right. Yeah. 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 And, did, and did, am and I remembering this right? You stop noticing the buzzing, but you still know which way north is. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, what I was going to ask was, uh, am I remembering this right? That the users, when they took off the belt, they still knew because they had associated oh, it with remember. other cues. Well, there was oh, I mean, the the anthropologist who hung out with the I forget which group of people. The, oh, they, the yeah, way that, that the way they, a fucking mini map in there. The way they navigate in the world is by by sort of having a, a mental map of oh wow everything around them, and just by spending a couple of years with them, he also developed that same sense of huh. it was and it like. But it they described just, it as a thing that they could see. Yeah, like they described it as yeah. basically a video game mini map in their field of vision huh. that they could Docks consult the bottom right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there was the. Did it include anything? Did they not? They weren't able to see a threat because the minimap was in the way. Yeah. <laughs> There's the girl who had lost her sight, and they hooked up a, like a camera, on her glasses or, or like she wore glasses that had a camera mount on them and a little sensor under her tongue, and it was just translating the visual field into this sort of grid of little electrodes in under her oh, tongue yeah. so that she eventually began to perceive motion and colors through oh, this totally weird. different cuz i mean the 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 brain is where most of the visual processing happens anyway right, right. so if you can just get that input from somewhere else the and your brain I'm not figures using out what's the going on the other side of my tongue for much right right so why not? Yeah, <laughs> but you can't talk and see at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't okay, talk say, and see at the same time. Say anyway. I, I have normal color vision, but how about just have a really big me... upper lip? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean I I norm I, I have normal color vision and a normal lip right now already. Okay, but what, if I were to add like ultraviolet to oh, my yeah. to the underside of my tongue you like, can see which flowers were good to pollinate and stuff yeah like i wonder how hard <laughs> it would be to incorporate to to merge that the data coming into my eyes with the data coming into my tongue i heard an anecdote today on some podcast that i was listening to about this hypothesis that monet had cataracts removed and it somehow gave him the ability to see ultraviolet and that's why his shit got all weird huh. after that that doesn't seem real does it i i don't know enough about eyes to know yeah i don't know what controls the frequency 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure that there's there. just the like rods and the cones. The lenses. And yeah. Like, I don't know that having cataract surgery would fundamentally. Well, but I mean, so let's say, let's say that cataracts caused your rods and cones to adapt in a weird way that extended their range a little bit. And then when the cataracts were removed, mm. right? Like if they were making up for something, if I, who knows, yeah. right? And I mean, that, aren't Maybe. there, aren't there women that have like a fourth? That's set? uh that's hypothesized. Tetrachromes. Yeah. That Paul Simon song. Yeah. My mind went off onto this tangent about like, uh, sample frequencies and anti-aliasing like maybe he was seeing like anti-aliased uv that was just represented <laughs> as as just very high frequency colors it's right all lily pads though is, yeah. is what's weird <laughs> but that's not how the eye works so never mind <laughs> uh chunky benjamin writes hi Three years ago, I got a modern radio installed in my car. A year ago, I realized that plastic flap on it was for a thumb drive slot to listen to podcasts. I have enjoyed your weird conversation since then. My Yay. question. <laughs> I like to draw stuff on paper. I would like a recommendation on free game building software where I can scan that stuff, animate it, and build a simple game out of it. Do you have any suggestions? I want to do it just for fun, but I do want to let other people play it if they want to. You know, um, I, I think the really basic version... Yeah, Tom does exactly that. Well, Tom Francis is doing a bunch of Game Maker tutorial videos on... Uh, on YouTube that, that I have not watched, but I can wholeheartedly recommend them just because he is a charming and smart and articulate motherfucker. Mm. And uh, yeah, I and probably enjoy he, watching them, even though I know a lot of what he's doing already. He also has demonstrated the ability to like learn how to make a game with no prior programming experience in yeah. like the space of a couple of years. Yeah. And it's a really good game, too. Yeah. So but I, I think I did hear about something. Maybe it was a Kickstarter or something that it was actual like sheets of paper that you could draw a it, it had like a very specific uh grid on it and you could draw like a simple side scroller level in that grid mm. and then and scan it in and the software or app or whatever that it came with would in, automatically interpret that into a into a game level that's yeah, neat that sounds familiar i i, I bet there are actually a lot of really specific game tools like that just more more toys than game maker tools you might say <laughs> yeah where you can just make a cool thing in a few minutes but you can't really have that much control over it yeah as Whereas game game maker you can just use you know to yeah. make a real game game maker is a is a good tool for that um if you want to get a little bit more serious if with the programming you go to unity probably there's what sprite builder and stuff which is good for building for building sprites art, art assets and stuff right yeah um i've heard good things about spine yeah um as a as an animation tool we i don't think we ended up using puppet we used 2D. Pup, pup 2d instead of spine right. there uh, but there's because we didn't puppet 2d is easier to integrate with unity but uh spine had some more features that i actually we didn't we, need i guess this is something that has changed very recently um uh, i am friends with the guy who wrote the uh spine integration for unity um, and it is now very good. Hmm. Yeah, it was that like happened in the past six months. Yeah, I was say it was six or eight months ago when we looked at it. Okay, um, yeah. And we were on such a short term project that it it just kind of made sense to do whatever was the easiest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually does. Uh, well, that's uh, that's some mail from listeners, and I think that's gonna do it for the show. I appreciate our listeners educating us. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a panel of experts.
Uh, guys, I've had a I've had a great time doing this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, uh, Kevin. If somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail, how how would you recommend that they do it? They could tweet us at VG Hot Dog. They could email us vghotdog at gmail or they could go to our website videogameshotdog.com. Are those the only ways? Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. No, no postal mail. No smoke signals. None of that. Guys, I hope we record another episode of Video Games Hot Dog super duper soon. <laughs> It would be do you lovely. think we will? Yeah, I, I think yeah, we will. I bet. In a week. You think, think in a week? Yeah. I think a week is probably I think tomorrow. Well, all right. Listeners, we'll see you next week. And until then, tomorrow. keep your butt in the washing machine and keep cleaning the water heater. Huh. See you Have tomorrow. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>